Welcome to Philanthropy Today, where we share informative and inspirational stories on ways individuals impact the quality of life in our communities. Each week, you'll hear stories on how members of our community make a difference through philanthropy. Our goal is to inspire giving by educating listeners on ways to give and how to connect with charitable causes. My name is Dave Lewis. I'm your host of Philanthropy Today. Thank you for joining the show. When we schedule our guests for Philanthropy Today, there are so many opportunities to visit with some of the neat people that have done significant things in our community. And uh, what a delight, what an honor it is to have Mary Veneer joining us on the podcast today. Mary, thank you for being a part of our show. Well, thanks for asking me, Dave. You've got a long history of philanthropic efforts and business efforts. And, uh, you know, we're going to get into just some of the tidbits of those things today. Okay, that sounds great. But before we get started, we're going to bring Vern Henry's president and CEO to come in here. And, and Vern, I understand that Mary is one of the founders of the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation. Indeed she is. Uh, when the organization started in 1999, uh, several community members um, got together and there was a challenge by the Kansas Health Foundation to, to get some things started so that there was some foundation funds. And and uh, to to her benefit and and to our pleasure and appreciation, you know, Mary was one of those early challengers, and uh, and we can't say enough. So uh, I mean, we talk about going to get in our car and going from zero to sixty. Well, um, you know, Mary and and her colleagues uh, stepped up, and uh, we're from zero to three hundred at this point in time. And uh, Mary, I just want to say thank you very much, and and uh, I hope you. Hope you saw the vision or hope you uh, you and your colleagues at that point in time uh, kind of see what you've done today. And we really want to thank you for everything that you've uh, conspired us to do. Well, thanks, Vern. It's amazing um, how much the Community Foundation has grown in those 25 years. I can distinctly remember sitting around a table with the likes of Mark Knockendoffel and Jim Gordon, uh, Dirk Daveline, Mike Daniels, um, and you know, we were just hoping to get to a million dollars and that was, we were scraping and scratching. And then the Kansas Health Foundation, as you said, um, stepped in with some challenge grants. And then we were like, boy, if we could get to 3 million, that's a huge milestone. And <laughs> now you're at what, over 300 and it's just incredible. So um, thank you and your staff uh, for all the great work that, that you've done. Um, you know, community foundations are just Wonderful. Um, and the reason I got involved is because my mother, Donna Veneer, was um, a founder of the Salina Community Foundation. And so I knew that they were that they were great things and that they were um, great tools for, uh, you know, families uh, and individuals. Um, my family in particular, we had a family foundation for a while, and those are kind of a pain in the neck to run. And so when you can... Uh, when you can work with a community foundation and and frankly let them do all the the hard work and the heavy lifting and you just can come in and and make grants and and do good things for your community um it's a win-win for everybody so thank you and well, congratulations yes well uh, thank you and obviously i uh, worked with your mother and uh, during the k-state foundation board days and uh, really enjoyed that effort and certainly your father and your family all all combined have been very supportive your brother and sister and and uh, we just appreciate the veneers and 
and I agree the community foundation world is a is a model that's a uh, uh, that's kind of changing and, and people are taking advantage of from that standpoint and uh, but uh, on today's show I just wanted to say thank you personally for helping start this community foundation and and uh, look forward to the rest of the interview all right thank you but well, we have so many things we could talk about the veneer family history and you go back generations you know over around the salina area and of course your name's all over kansas state university too well that yeah we can go back two or three generations i guess um yeah just to just to give you a brief little history, um, my grandfather, J.J. Veneer, uh, was originally from Nebraska, um, ended up in, in Kansas, uh, worked at the Board of Trade in Kansas City, did not have much of a formal education, but uh, was very interested in agriculture and um, then became specifically interested in the milling business. And so he went to work in Abilene uh, for a mill there and... You know that he was fresh out of World War One and learning the ropes and scrimping and saving and and with the hope that someday he could be his own boss. And that happened to him probably a lot earlier than than maybe even he expected. Uh, but he had the opportunity to buy a controlling interest in a mill that was about to go under in Salina. Uh, it was the Western Star Mill, and so he uh, bought an option on that. Um, he ended up meeting my grandmother in Abilene, and so um, moved his young family over to Salina. And I guess, as they say, the rest is is history. He he grew that business to um, include mills all over uh, the central part of the U.S. Um, to include at one point the Gooch feed mills, which a lot of people, um, at least. Our age and older may remember. I grew up with those uh, green stamps, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh -huh. the, the Gooch Red Circles. And yeah. um, so, um, you know, at one point, uh, he probably was one of the larger independent uh, grain and uh, flour and feed millers in the country. Um, but like most of those businesses, eventually um, he sold out to a to a company uh, called ADM, Archer Daniels Midland, and um, kind of ended his uh, milling business, but kept going with the ranching business uh, that he started in the 30s. Uh, we raised registered Hereford cattle west of uh, Brookville, Kansas, and my brother and sister and I are still involved with the ranching operation to this day. We don't we don't raise registered Herefords anymore, but we've got a, a large commercial herd and, and still enjoy that very much. So, um, so fast forward to the next generation, my parents, Jack and Donna Veneer, um, dad was, was the rancher. That's what he was interested in. He wasn't really interested in milling. Uh, so we lived at the ranch in Brookville, um, growing up. And, um, so, you know, that was a great, great experience. And, um, through Salina involvement, through Kansas State involvement, you know, my brother and sister and I could kind of see, although I don't know we fully grasped um, the extent uh, of the philanthropic involvement that our family had until we got a little older. Um, but um, so, you know, mom and dad were very involved in, in the Salina community, um, started getting very involved in Kansas State, and then, you know, that just grew and grew and grew. And, and so now, the third generation, Marty and John and I, Marty and I are here in Manhattan. 
uh, both very involved in the community and and um, and with Kansas State. Our brother John uh, lives in Salina um, and kind of runs the day-to-day ranching operations, and, and he and his family are also very involved philanthropically in the Salina community. So, um, you know, it's just just kind of grew and and we enjoy doing it and and um so that's the long and short of it i guess and and we could probably talk for hours and hours about uh you know some of the things that the veneer family has contributed to over you know three generations and moving into a fourth one mm-hmm. let's talk a bit about your philanthropic philosophy are there some things that you know, come to mind when, when you are wanting to, you know, make some decisions to help others. What, what's that thought process like? Well, I don't know if it's a philosophy per se, but, uh, you know, I think our family has tended to gravitate towards, um, educational philanthropic, uh, projects, activities. Um, you know, our K-State involvement is pretty well known, um, but it's not just the athletic facilities. Um, we've we've supported a lot of scholarship programs, uh, a lot of academic programs and buildings. Um, so, you know, education is really important to us. Um, my dad attended Kansas State, but he never graduated. He lacked like, I don't know, three or five hours. Mm. Um, dad had a really good time at Kansas State. <laughs> and so, you know, graduating wasn't necessarily the end all be all for him. Um, did he meet your mother here? He did not. No, that's an interesting story. Um, she actually attended uh, the University of Kansas for two years, and um, she was a Salina girl. Went to KU. Her family really didn't have uh, the means to keep sending her, mm. and so um, she ended up uh, having to to drop out of of KU and move back to Salina and went to work at the local Dillon store downtown as a checker. And um, so my dad's was, uh, I think, six or seven years older than mom. And 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 dad's mother, Lesta Veneer, was starting to get a little worried about uh, her son Jack's uh, marriage prospects or lack thereof. And so um, she kind of went to work on that project herself and noticed this pretty young, smart uh checker at Dylan's, and so she started going through mom's line like multiple times a week or even multiple times a day and you know we just kind of chat her up and and get to know her and it turned out that some of my mom's her parents friends were um also friends of my my grandparents or my veneer grandparents and so an introduction was made and and the rest is history but it was um it was less of veneers matchmaking that that got to them together. But uh, point being, I had two parents that never graduated from college, and I think both of them, um, particularly mom, since she was only able to attend two years, that that stuck with her. And so, um, you know, the ability to help students who like her. Um, didn't really have the means um, to keep going. And, and you know, she worked, um, always worked. And her, um, she gave me a little jar once, and she said, this is what my grandmother sent me her spare change in so I could, you know, go to the movies on Friday night. And, and so, you know, she just really didn't have the means to um, do some of the things she wanted to do. So 
educational support, scholarships, that type of thing has always been very, very important. Um, you know, other things that we get involved in um, are, are community related, um, can be anything from, you know, health related projects. Um, there's a there's a, a facility over in Salina named the Donna L. Veneer Children's Center. Um, it houses three different um, organizations that provide services for parents and or children with, um, you know, special needs, uh, health needs, um, parent counseling, um, child or childhood counseling, that type of thing. Um, you know, those types of human services, I think, have always been really important to us. Um, and, you know, it just kind of gets down to to talking with people, having people approach us with good, solid projects that will hopefully help a lot of people. And, and then, you know, there's got to be some trust and confidence on our part for the organization who's asking, you know, are they... Are they, um, well, A, are they legit? Um, are they going to last? Are they well run? Um, you know, is the money going towards the service and not the, you know, paying the light bill for the, for the organization itself? And I'm, I'm not saying that that's not worthy too, because I know a lot of our nonprofits need that kind of support to operate and do their good work, but, you know, they're, there are some, I think, that you have a greater level of confidence that five years from now, they'll still be able to provide their service to the community. And and, and then, you know, there are others that, that maybe can't. So um, I think that's kind of, of what we look like, look for. You know, it's a lot of relationship building. You, somebody comes and asks you for money, you got to trust that person um, to um, to use your your gift wisely and, and, you know, to also do with that gift, what you have agreed to do with that gift. Um, so, you know, it's, I guess it's a variety of things, but it's a, it's definitely a, a human relationship business. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's a trust business and, um, and a long-term relationship business. I mean, we, you know, we support things, many things, for years and years and years. And it's because that trust has been built up and they're, um, you know, still doing great work, important work. And, um, you know, you just, you just feel proud to be associated with them, I think. Do you have a story or two that you can share that just kind of like really tugged at your heartstrings that because of the uh, contributions that you may have made to one organization or another that just really impacted you or your siblings? Yeah, I can think of two. Um, first getting back to the, um, the, the Donovanier Children's Center in Salina, um, they were raising money to actually build a facility. These three entities that I spoke of were, you know, in a basement in this building and the second floor over here. And so they wanted to put them all together because the services needed to interact, uh, more closely. And so, um, you know, mom and dad were approached, they they agreed to give a lead gift, and um, and so you know, like many times, you get put on the fundraising committee to try to help raise the the rest of it. And um, I think one of the things that that I thought was so cute at the time, and and is 
even more neat now is that there was a young man in Salina named Ethan Brown. And Ethan was eight years old when this project was happening, and, and um, he was born with cerebral palsy. They didn't really think he'd ever walk when he was an infant. And because of the services of these three nonprofits that were going to come together in the children's center, um, you know, he learned to walk and um, he learned to function. And so when he was eight years old, his parents were going to have a big birthday party for him. And so he sent out the invitation to his little friends and said, um, Instead of bringing me a gift, instead of bringing me toys for my birthday, I would like you all to bring a contribution to the um, Donna Veneer Children's Center because I want to raise money for that. And this is an eight-year-old kid. Wow. Um, fast forward to today, that same young man who's now a young man um, is, I believe, a junior at Kansas State and just became the um, one of the KSU ambassadors. So oh Ethan Brown is doing great things, and um, he came up and introduced himself to me in the last year or so, and I darn near cried. I mean, you know, here was this little guy that that was um, so involved, and and you know, my mom just loved him. I mean, she thought he was the greatest thing ever, and and you know, he's doing great things at, in college, um, representing the university now nationally as a as a student ambassador and. So just to just to know that there was kind of a connection there is is pretty neat. Um, the other story that I would share um, uh, would relate to um, a scholarship program that we um, established uh, via the Kansas 4-H Foundation. Um, we have veneer family scholarships that are given through the Kansas 4-H Foundation, and they're renewable. So if you qualify for one as a freshman, and as long as you keep your grades up and do what you need to do, um, every year you'll get another little tranche of, of funding. Um, well, there was a young man from actually out around the Brookville area where we grew up, um, named Justin Schmutz. And Justin got a veneer family scholarship and it was renewed the second year and come around to the third year. And um, we were, or I was contacted by the Kansas 4-H Foundation, um, Jake over there. And he said, uh, Mary, you're not going to believe what happened. He said, I just got a note from Justin and here's what he said said, uh, you know, this money has been very, has been invaluable to me over the past couple of years. It's allowed me to get involved on campus. It's allowed me to be involved in my fraternity and, and do other community service kinds of things. But I've also kept working and I've worked real hard in the summer and I have my finances figured out for the next two years. So um, I would like to respectfully return the scholarship money for the next two years that I would have received, um, and with in the hopes that you could, you know, help somebody else out. And I was just like, who in the world does that uh, these days? And um, so, anyway, uh, met Justin, found out what a terrific kid he is. Um, you know, beyond that, and um, we actually kind of flipped it on him and, and surprised him. We we set up a a new scholarship with Kansas 4-H called the Justin Schmutz Scholarship. So now he has the opportunity. He's got a name scholarship that he can, um, you know, we funded, but 
he's contributing to and is paying forward to the next generation. So it's just kind of those things where, you know, you hopefully inspired somebody to, you know, be the next generation of, of, um, philanthropists and, and, um, and enjoy that. Someone raised him right. Someone raised him very right. Yes. Speaking of raising right, let's talk about the next generation of the veneers. Uh, you know, how do you transition from from where and your brother and sister are now and, you know, kind of carry on this philanthropic and and business ventures that you have with with others? Well, that's an interesting question. Um, <laughs> uh, Marty and I don't have any kids, so there is no next generation uh, for two of the three of us. Um, I knew that coming in, but I didn't want to make it really awkward. I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'll just, yeah, I'll just put it out there. That's that's the case there. So, you know, we're doing a lot of things, um, I think, planning, you know, so that the day that that we're, we're no longer mm-hmm. um, around, that that some things that we really care about will carry forward. Um, and, you know, that's that's one of the, the benefits of working with a community foundation is that you can set some things up um, in areas of interest for you and know that there will be a lot of good people um, 5, 10, 15, 50 years down the road that will, you know, carry those those things out. Um, you know, my brother, um, uh, his two daughters and, and, and now he's got, uh, golly, six stepkids. Um, so he's got some, some people to work with. Um, and I, you know, I know that, that his two girls in particular, um, well, actually all the kids have, have started, uh, he, he and, and his wife, Kim have done a great job of, of getting them involved in, in philanthropy in the Salina and Brookville area. Um, you know, as as far as business type things, I think a lot of that'll wind up um, with the three of us, um, quite honestly, and and um, you know, which is is pretty bittersweet. Um, but you know, we're kind of working through that. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. So, yeah. let's talk a bit about the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation. You know, as a as a founding participant in it i don't look near that old right no you don't thank you no i mean Vern was the one that really looked ancient in well here. yeah he should be the founder not me yeah exactly <laughs> but but let's talk a bit about how the community foundation has helped you with your philanthropic goals yeah well as i mentioned at the onset um you know the our family did have a family foundation and because that was the thing to do back in what probably the mid 90s i guess um, and it was fine, but, you know, dad and John had to find somebody in their office to do the books and, and write the letters and send the checks and all that kind of stuff. And it was becoming quite a big job. And so, um, you know, I think just the convenience of community foundations is, is tremendous. Um, and the, you know, if you've got a donor advised fund within a community foundation, you can do exactly what we were doing with the family foundation. I mean, we were making the decisions, although I think with a donor advised fund, you're supposed to say, make suggestions and then hope that the, um, the, the, the grant committee on the, on the foundation, on the community foundation agrees with you, but nine times out of 10, they do. Um, but it's just so much easier and it also opens your eyes to 
so many other things out in the community that you could support that maybe you didn't know about. Um, because, you know, at least for us, when we have a family foundation, we didn't put a neon sign outside the door and, and say, y'all come and apply because that wasn't our intent. So, um, so I think being involved with the community foundation, I mean, every year when I go to the, the CFAs, you know, I learn at least about one new organization or maybe it's not even a new organization, but I learn about an organization in this community that I didn't know about coming in. And, um, many of which I have, um, you know, started supporting just because they're doing great work, but I didn't know about them. And so, um, and then you also have the power of, um, multiple donors, um, supporting, you know, individual, um, charities or, or organizations. Um, you know, the, the grow green match day here in Manhattan is phenomenal. And what, what, uh, Phil Howe does to, um, you know, make your money grow, make your donation grow is, is just tremendous. And so to be able to see that and see the impact of that on the community and, and all of the entities that take part in grow green, um, you know, it's just phenomenal. It just opens your eyes and and lets you see a whole world of possibilities that that perhaps you wouldn't have been, um, pe- perhaps you wouldn't have known about. I think that's one of the great things about the CFAs is just you know walking in and and acquiring information mm-hmm. and and showing appreciation for those that do the work that needs to be done in the community to help those that need that. Right. Exactly. And yeah, to meet some of those folks and and hear what they do and, and, you know, and many times hear the struggles that they've gone through to, to get their organization where it is. Um, it's, it's just tremendous. I mean, it's a great service to the community. We recognize time, talent, and treasure. And that's something that you bring all three of those aspects together. And we're certainly appreciative here at the GMCF for the work that you do and uh, the gifts that you make for not only you, but, uh, but your entire family. It's uh, greatly appreciated. Well, thanks, Dave. Um, you know, we, we're very fortunate that we're able to, to do some things and, um, we don't for a minute, um, you know, take that for granted. And, um, you know, people have asked why over the years and, you know, why do you do all these things that you do? And, you know, it's pretty simple. Our parents just kind of instilled that that is what you do when you're, when you're blessed with resources, um, you need to, to share them and, and try to try to help somebody else out. And so that's, that's what we try to do. What a wonderful legacy you have left with your parents. Well, they were great people, as you know, and and um, so, you know, we try every day to make them proud. Thank you for joining us for Philanthropy Today, an inside look at the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation. You can always learn more about the GMCF at our website, mcfks.org. We also invite you to subscribe to Philanthropy Today on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Dave Lewis. I'm proud to host Philanthropy Today. It's hosted and produced in the Ad Astrocast Studios in downtown Manhattan, Kansas.